Hey, what's up, podcast? It's Jeff. Just want to jump in here. This is a special bonus episode of Teach Better Talk. This is actually going to be a the audio uh, recording from a Facebook Live that our team is doing every single day, Monday through Friday um, at 8 a.m. Eastern Time in our Facebook private group. You can get in that group at teachbettergroup.com or uh, go on to Facebook and just search Teach Better Team. You'll see our page and then you'll see the group get in there. So here we go, a special bonus episode of Teach Better Talk pulled from one of our Facebook Live videos in our private group at teachbettergroup.com. Hope you enjoy. Hey guys, it's Chad from the Teach Better team, and I have the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Neil Gupta with me. Neil, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I'm, it's, it's rainy over here, but I'm doing great. It's okay. I'm also in Ohio, a little bit, like two hours north of you, and it's raining here too. So I think it's just consistently raining everywhere right now. But, you know, we've been stuck inside so long, it's, I'm kind of used to being inside either way. So it's not a huge, huge, <laughs> huge difference. So Ray Hewer just stopped by to say hi, which is awesome. Aaron Kiger is uh, really looking forward to this chat as well. So I'm excited. We're going to let some people come on in. Um, now, Neil, we were just talking um, about uh, you have a couple of college age students. I want to tell everyone a little bit about you. So you are the director of secondary education from Worthington Schools, which is near the Columbus, Ohio area. And you are also on the board of ASCD, which is an awesome organization, does a ton with educational leadership. And whether everyone knows it or not, if I have questions about educational leadership, I usually go to Neil to talk to him. Like he's like my number one resource. He's a fantastic resource. He's a great leader and I just love talking to him. So I'm really excited that you all get to absolve yourself from or, or get to enjoy the the awesomeness that is Neil Neil's group. So how are things going um, in, in in Worthington? And just before you get started, we have Alex and Adam and fan of seven. You guys are all coming in. Megan, morning. they're just coming in. They saw that you were here, and they're super awesome. excited. So um, uh, how are things going for you and uh, your school district right now? Yeah, well, so first, thanks for the introduction. I appreciate that. That's that's too gracious. Um, I think everybody needs to wake up in the morning and have some type of inter- inspirational introduction like that. I mean, talk about like now being able to like, my head is blown up, and I won't be able to fit out that door. Um, <laughs> But but in Worthington, we're, you know, we're going well right now. Um, you know, we're we're in actually you know the last week of school, so we're rounding things out right now um, at our high schools. Uh, yesterday and today, um, it's again it's raining, but we've got our our uh, pickup lines for students uh, to pick up their gosh um, anything they left in their lockers, uh, any medication they got left behind, drop off any textbooks, and um, and then for these seniors, I'll tell you what. Um, you know, not having that graduation, I, we, I, I'm going from this idea of defense to offense. Maybe a month ago, I felt bad that our students, um, and I'm not saying that they, that the family shouldn't still have that face-to-face sort of um, experience for graduation ceremony. But at the same time, under this COVID, I'm going on the offense that, man, we, our community has stepped up. Our staff have, have thought outside the box. Um, they've gotten pizzas. Um, each student got a pizza coupon uh, to get delivered. Signs were placed in their yard by volunteers from the community. And um, and then now, today um, at both of our high schools, there's like many graduation ceremonies going on and uh, where the students are coming back. 
um, and with their caps and gowns, and they're going to go through probably now inside and go through and, and get a picture and uh, on a backdrop and a stage. And um, and then this next Sunday, when we were supposed to have graduation, uh, we've got a video that, that we're going to be putting out, and uh, it's a virtual one. Our, our superintendent, our, our board president uh, will be greeting them. We've got students, um, our class officers will be welcoming, and every student that has uh, given us a picture is going to have their picture posted and uh, their name announced through that video. And that becomes a keepsake. So uh, grandparents that live in other states are going to be able to, to go in live and see that uh, Sunday also. And then the hope is at the end of July, maybe there's some kind of face-to-face -face graduation. We'll see. So wow. it's been pretty, pretty a cool, cool week that we've got going on right here. Next couple of days after that, I'll be underclassmen picking up their stuff. And uh, then we close out the year. Wow. So that that's crazy. So it really sounds like you guys have a lot of great things in place to give seniors and to give your students the same connections, the same quality and values that would have normally been shared, even at a distance. And I think that's something that's really, really important. And I think it it sort of transcends, like, even if you can't have the physical event, those human relationships, that community outreach, I think is something that any school district or teacher or, or, or grade level or school can do is still provide these awesome opportunities for students that articulate and magnify those human connections that school helped create. And I, um, I know Worthington is a pretty tight-knit community, but there are a lot of communities like you guys um, out there. And I think we've seen the parades, we've seen the yard signs, we've seen all these great things where even though some of these seniors and some of these uh, students have not gotten to have the normal experience. You could almost argue that they, the uniqueness and the outpouring of connection has almost uh, an additional like uh, memorial uh, like connection for them. I think that's going to be something cool for them to remember regardless. I mean, the way, the way we, um, we started off this year, we have a theme in our school district every year. And this year's theme um, is a quote from somebody and it says, how you do anything means everything. And so, you know, we, we think about this. It's not always about the what, it's not always about the why it's about even sometimes the how, how we do it. And so um, it becomes this beautiful thing of, you know, at first you think about the nuts and bolts aspect of we've got to pick up and drop off things. But then we, we I, I would say that our staff has, has um, and this is just due to time and not just necessarily a theme, but this culture of um, making it an experience for everybody. And so at each of these stations, we had about six stations for, for these pick up and drop off to happen. What I was amazed about was um, our staff for every every car that pulled up paused and almost treated it like they were the sole stage person. And this group was like um, excited and cheering them on and saying, congratulations. And, and somebody of, of, of that, of that tent knew his or her name. And, you know, parents also need that, that chance to, to um, share their story and celebrate. And so believe it or not, parents had their phones and they were, you know, taking pictures and, and that sort of thing. And you have to give that moment to people. And so our staff need that closure at the end of the year. Um, they are missing our kids. Our, our students are, are, are missing things out. They may not say that. Um, they might be thinking about sports. They may be thinking about uh, activities. But, you know, that connection's real. And then same thing with our parents. And I think giving them those opportunities has been something that I, I'm amazed that our staff has, has been able to think about as far as not just the nuts and bolts part of it, but also the experience. 
Yeah, that's amazing. So I just want to say hi to Joe Gonzalez, Kristen Marie, uh, Brian Gerst, Alex Vilsex here, as always. Alex actually had a question. He wants to know if there's a source for that quote that you said. So could you repeat the quote and then let, let us know if there is a source or if it's just one of those really cool. I forget, I forget the, uh, who, who said it. So we did not invent it. You'll have to do a Google search. But the quote is, how you do anything means everything. Okay, very cool. How you do every, anything means everything. That's so cool. And what, what a cool thing to build uh, a culture on, right? Um, like regardless of what those, those things are. So you talked a lot of bit about closing out the year and a lot of teachers, schools, and districts are doing that, but I want to get a little bit past that because you're, you're, you're usually a great strategizer from my experience with you. So what, what are your next steps as a school district in, uh, in terms of learning, in terms of not knowing what next year looks like? What are you thinking about just both personally and as a school district potentially that other people you think could benefit from? Sure. So, so we've got a great team in our district and of leadership um, members and our chief academic officer, uh, Angie Adrian, she about two weeks ago, there, there's been some documents at, from state level um, organizations. So Minneapolis Department of Education, do a Google search for Minneapolis Department of Education. They put out a guide of um, how to reopen schools in the fall. And so we, we took a look at that document and, and it, it, it starts to jar your memory because you start thinking a little bit about what does is, what is school look like and you think it goes maybe straight to the classroom, but then you've got to think about things like arrival dismissal and lunch and gym class and hallways and bathroom. And then, so it delineates you know these different areas. Um, yeah. Somewhere the State Department of the Ohio Department of Education has, has put out a, a current draft. Um, the Educational Service Center of Central Ohio has put out drafts. So I guess what I'm saying is, is there are some drafts out there. And I don't know if, if there's necessarily a silver bullet of this one's the best one because everyone right. has a new nuance that you're maybe not thinking about. And but the nice thing about it is I think we kind of flipped it where a couple of weeks ago, our, our chief academic officer, Angie, she went ahead and put that in the hands of our professional development team. And I put this in the hands of our principals and said, I want you to design, you know, your, your team is in charge of the restrooms. What does the restrooms look like in social distancing? And what does the arrival dismiss? What is, what is, and, and we're having our teams kind of start to look at those, those things right there. And again, not about we're going to come to decisions today in, in the month of May. We, we also know that space and, and times, you know, sometimes have given us um, more clarity as leaders, we sometimes jump early on and, and we hear those quotes about jumping early on on the bandwagon and, and becoming the pioneer. And in this instance, sometimes, you know, kind of settling back a little bit and waiting to see what the climate looks like is sometimes the better option. Yeah. Um, but giving those giving everybody the chance and the opportunity, you know, giving our teachers the opportunity to kind of think through what that might look like um, helps them out. We put out a survey with our, our staff and, and then our stu- uh, parents. We put out a survey you know, would you be interested in an AM or PM session for rotation of schools if we had to have that? Or would you want some type of every other day option? We found out, by the way, that AM and PM is, uh, you know, those half day options aren't, aren't well, like, you we have to put that out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, that's huge. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it, you know, so right now we're in that design, that design thinking phase, I, I would say that ideation phase of what are the possibilities? What are things that are, that are out there that, that could happen? And then I think as the summer goes along, we'll start to coalesce into what is our plan. And, yeah. you know, but, but the difference is um, we're, we're, we're thinking about, I, I guess, and uh, again, Angie thought about, you know, kind of the uh, red light, green light, yellow light uh, sort of concept of, um, we have to think about um, we might open the in the fall and we're in the red zone, which is we're st- still socially distanced and kids are at home. Uh, they're not attending school. Yellow might be that there's some type of rotation that's going on or green is everybody's in, but they're wearing masks and, and that sort of thing. All But all kids are attending every day. And so we're having this conversation of so what does all those different areas look like in red, yellow, green? Uh, and, and, you know, we could if we use those colors. Um, but the, also the difference is um, how do we make sure we pivot quickly if we need to move to one to the other, you know, the very next day. And, you know, yeah. I think I think our parents and gave us permission um, of a, pretty much I think every district had a, a week to, to pivot. You know, when we had to go through yeah. this back in March, um, I, I think we've got to be nimble and we've got to be ready to go that if we're green in the fall or we're yellow in the fall and then we turn into red September 19th, I'm, I'm making that up. That all sure. of a sudden, if we're going to red, then we've got to be able to um, have all of our information online. Our kids have their Chromebooks. Um, so, for example, any underclassmen, um, they're turning in their textbooks this this week, but they're not turning in their, their Chromebooks. Our district made a decision that uh, we wanted our students to keep those. Um, it, it's not just for homework and doing work, but let them let them keep them for extension activities. Let them keep them to... Um, um, check in with teachers and, and maybe just have a Zoom with a teacher over the summer. But in the fall, if we start out red, then we don't have to reissue those Chromebooks. The kids already have them. Yeah. So, I, wow. So much cool stuff in there. Um, so I'm going to just try to break it down just a little bit. So one of the big takeaways there, I think, was you don't have to make decisions or put things in cement right now, but you need to be thinking about this. I think that's a huge takeaway for any district, school, or teacher right now. Even if you're not setting your plans in stone, you need to be thinking about your options. I also liked your kind of your red, green, um, yellow kind of analogy here. Like we don't know which color it's going to be in the fall, but I think we have to be prepared for red so we can scale back to yellow and green to, to normal, right? And that's going to be require these flexible, student-centered, self-paced learning environments where students can access all their assignments, they can work at their own pace, and of course, they can, um, they can be graded on a holistic mastery-based setting as opposed to like the idea of like counting assignments right now and points is in, in my mind, just it's a dinosaur at this point. And it almost has to be if we think about it, right? Um, and so it's one of those things where it, I think this can help move that envelope a little bit for a lot of teachers because counting the number of tasks that you did on Google Classroom, if you've shown mastery on the assessment that it shows that mastery, like do those tasks really matter? No, they don't if you've shown mastery already, right? And I think moving teachers to that standpoint can, can really change. So one of our Facebook users actually said, Neil, how do you decide when a survey provides answers that you do not personally believe is best for kids? So that, that's actually really interesting. So what if like you as the leader or the school district kind of survey the community and they give you kind of like 
this information. But as the experts in education, you go, we, see, we hear you. We know this is what you want. However, we also know what's best for the education of children. How do you reconcile those two things? I think that's a great question, actually. So I, 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 I don't have any, a specific answer. Yeah, as sure. As I'm just, I just sure. love to get your thoughts. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's a great question. You know, I think that, um, you know, if it if it's obviously starts to bubble up and rise uh, of, you know, kind of where our parents are, we have to honor that. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, there's so often and early in my career, I felt like, you know, I've, I hold this t- certain title and that meant that I know everything in education. Um, it, but what it means is that we have more of a responsibility to communicate um, kind of, you know, the why behind we, a decision we made. So it just means more so that if everybody's going in line with what you're, you're thinking is, you know, your, your team's thinking, um, it, make, it makes life easy, right? Um, if it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that you don't do it. It might be that. Um, yeah, I think you have to kind of look at kind of the pressure points that come along with it. Um, or it just also tells you that you've got a lot more communication to go and explaining why you're making that decision. And, and I think honor, honor it. And, you know, um, you know, we're very transparent with our data to, to, you know, tell parents, we're not going to hide the data to say, look, we realize that a lot of you felt this certain way. Um, but we think for what's like you said, what's best for kids. Um, unfortunately, right now, sometimes decisions aren't made for what's best for kids that might be at a convenience, for example, of what that certain family's circumstance is. And we have to honor that. I think, again, we still have to be empathetic towards that that circumstance. Um, there'll be families, obviously, if, if there's um, kids with um, immune systems that are compromised that, that may not want that. And we're going to have to come out with some other um, opportunity for them. We can't say, hey, we're green and I don't care if you're feeling sick. Get over here. Yeah. Forget it, you know. So we have to figure out some ways to kind of help help protect them. Yeah. So something Ray Hewitt just said, my my buddy Ray Hewitt, um, she just said that uh, communication is key, and that's something I'm hearing from you right now as well. I think regardless of the decision you're making as a classroom teacher, as a schooler, as a district, you have to be transparent, like you said, and you have to just be able to kind of not necessarily defend your statements, but just be transparent in how you came to them and the why behind. Because I think a lot of times, um, not knowing things creates fear in parents, right? Um, I think this also goes back to, there are going to be those logistical things, right? Like, how do you go to the bathroom? How do you do lunch? How do you, and I think personally, I think a lot of schools are going to look a lot more like college campuses where like the cafeteria is open kind of all day and you can kind of stop by there when you have that free period. Um, I also think that, um, they're going to be a little bit more open with social distancing and things like that so that you're not having these droves of kids in the same place at the same time. But now if you get to the classroom, like in my opinion, like you just, you literally can't have that 30 kid classroom. I can't see that coming back, at least in the fall, where there's 30 kids crammed together in rows that are one foot, one to two feet apart. Um, you know, just working at the pace of the teacher. Like, I just can't see that same model, like surviving what social distancing might make schools look like. And the cool thing is about all this, in my opinion, uh, I know your teachers have probably been doing some amazing thing with things with remote learning and things like that is, I think almost every teacher's learned how to step away a bit and let kids work at their own pace and let kids work towards mastery and starting to, to plan more pathway type learning experiences and mastery based student centered learning experiences because they had to, 
Like if you think about the last two to three months, they were forced to, to, to kind of make these shifts. And my hope is that some of those pieces don't go away when they go back to their physical classroom, right? Absolutely. You know, another survey that, again, another survey we've got going on with our teachers sure. is, this, is this curriculum audit. You know, what, what you know, of the standards, what was taught, um, at, to what level, to what degree, was it taught right. to mastery, was it taught not to mastery, so the next grade level can have it. Um, in the state of Ohio, we, we have a system of building leadership teams and district leadership teams and teacher-based yeah. teams. DLT, DLT, yeah. Yeah, and these, these teacher-based teams then are, are going to, you know, we're going to help kind of scaffold and, and, and use that data to help make, make some decisions and help give them information on, you know, okay, you've got, you've got kids that are coming from multiple classrooms and uh, you know, what, what has been transferred and, you know, there maybe have to be some recovery. I mean, well, let's say this way, there'll have to be some recovery of uh, things that didn't get taught um, or either didn't get taught Absolutely. or didn't get taught well. And no, that's not a uh, knock on anybody. It's just kind of the no. system we're in. So, being able to go back and have those conversations is going to be important. Um, you know, it, it, it comes with a lot of, uh, you know, nuances and changes every day of, of you know, what we're seeing at the state level and kind of having those conversations. But I think, again, getting everybody to kind of start thinking and getting them to be um, agile and flexible in, in how they think through things. And, you know, even for me, at first I hear something, I said, that can never happen. And giving yourself that permission to say, look, let me start thinking outside the box and let it let it marinate and let's have some th brainstorming. Because at the end of the day, it's not going to be uh, we're going this direction or this direction. It's going to be we found some kind of happy medium middle that works for us. And, I, and we've yeah. got to kind of keep working to get to that. Yeah. One of the things I've been, uh, you know, as I consult with teachers and districts and, and leaders from across the country, some of our clients and things like that. One of the things I'm I'm sort of trying to get across is that I, I feel like every school owes it to themselves and their community to plan for the worst case scenario so that they can scale back to normal. Because I think some people are like in this optimistic, like, well, let's hope it's back to normal and we'll just deal with it if we have to. And I don't think that that's a good, I'm not saying that you're in that situation at all. I think you're doing very great proactive work. But like, I think there's some districts that are like, well, it'll probably be normal. So we'll just go back. And I, I, I think that's an awful plan, right? Um, and so uh, one of the things I've been telling them is I think every teacher, classroom, school, and district should be going, what if we don't come back, right? Let's plan for that scenario first. How are students accessing curriculum? How are we monitoring their progress? How are we assessing and providing feedback? And how are we closing the gaps that we know are going to exist, as you already said? And for a district like yours who has the data to back that up, you can easily go, hey, seventh grade teachers, this is what they missed from sixth grade. So let's start the year with this last quarter of material or, or whatever that is. Um, but I truly think that we need um, to plan for distance learning in the fall and create, whether it's using LMSs, whether it's creating learning pathways or different types of activities that a student can do in the classroom or outside the classroom. So if you switch from green to yellow or green to red, there's nothing, nothing that has to like completely shift or completely change. You can just scale back and then facilitate if you're in person or step back if you're at distance learning. That's actually been my biggest advice to a lot of education leaders. Um, but 
absolutely. Uh, I think I love the fact that you're being strategic about your planning. And if, if you're not already planning for that, like you need to have those contingencies in place. And personally, I think we need to plan for a new normal, not just a backup plan. I think right. we need to change what the classroom looks like so that the flexibility to be in person or not be in person is already there. And then you're just dealing with whatever the current situation is. At least that's that's been my take on this uh, for the last month or so, at least. Yeah, I, I, I remember the week leading up to COVID, uh, we're, uh, the stay home, the stay at home. And uh, I, I remember I'd be working on a project for three or four hours trying to anticipate something. And then either the president or the governor or, you know, something kind of yeah. like just made the decision for us. Um, and so I, I don't know if it's necessarily about, you know, closing the door and, and, and kind of, you know, thinking in one mindset alone and putting so much detail to it that it, it could get thrown away as True. much as it is about the collaboration then the, the out-of-the-box thinking and and the idea of what ifs and putting those what ifs, you know, on, on lots of different spectrums, not just kind of spending time in one avenue, um, but being able to pivot um, quickly, seamlessly as much as possible, like you said, um, you know, I think that we can't say we're going to shut down for a week and we're going to, you know, give people time. So things like you said, I think early on we found out that um, parents were having a hard time. There was a survey we gave out kind of at the beginning of all this, and it was an open-ended question. And parents said, we can't find the information of how to help our, our child. And sure. so when you talk about the, that learning management system, people have to know where to find the information. Um, you know, students, parents, there are some, again, I, I, from an empathy standpoint, my son just will walk right in, grab his laptop, and he does his own thing. I don't even know what he does. I don't even sure. know how to access his grades. But I know that, you know, that that there might be an opportunity where I might need to say, look, let's take a let's pull up your grades and I need to check in on you. And are you really done with your homework? And and that might mean for a middle school or high school student checking on, on seven or eight um, classrooms. And if you have to go to seven to eight different pages and you can't find the information, it becomes difficult. Um, teachers that email and don't put down who they are and what their class is. And, you know, again, if a, if a parent has two or three uh, kids, um, they may not remember which student attaches to which, which teacher. So just kind of thinking that from that lens, that empathetic lens from, you know, that parent, and that student are going to be important. I, I love that. Uh, I think look, think, trying to like put these things in buckets, right? Um, I really love the idea of, you don't necessarily have to chisel anything in stone, just have the vision of what it could be. Right. Um, so, so Dave Schmidow, um, uh, our, our great friend and uh, just an amazing educator. Um, he says that our conversation is starting with no matter what school looks like in the fall, what are the evergreen opportunities that, of the things we're holding on to no matter what? Uh, I've also been talking to a lot of educators about this. So I think a lot of district schools, classrooms, and, and, and everything in between need to create like pillars or non-negotiables, right? Um, if I'm any district right now, I'm, I'm thinking from an instructional standpoint, what are my non-negotiables? From a communication standpoint, what are my non-negotiables? So I think you mentioned something that you know I hadn't thought of, or we've had a little bit of conversations in our admin masterminds about this, but like your communication strategy becomes so much more important without the physical process of school, right? You don't want parents getting 47 emails from seven different people within a week. Like that's overload. So like what announcements are coming from what level? Um, how are we removing redundancies? 
um, from a whole grade level, could you have a single weekly um, post instead of a separate one from each teacher? I think a lot of these things um, are things you can do um, in terms of, of non-negotiables. In terms of uh, those evergreen opportunities, I'm, I'm going to go back to the pillars that I said before. Every kid needs to be able to access the curriculum and work on their learning, regardless if they're in or out of school. So universal access to learning. Um, students need to be able to work ahead or behind based on their current situation. You know, if a teacher's sick, if a student's sick, if someone's sick at home, and now that kid's now identified as being quarantined for two weeks, just like if a student's suspended or, or, or get in trouble, it's not just like it. There's differences, obviously, but like they still have the right to continue learning, right? Um, uh, even though it's out of their control, they still have the right to continue learning. So what are we providing so that they can work even in the absence of the physical environment of school? And in terms of feedback and grading, you know, teachers can't, and you know, I've been talking to a lot of teachers and they're overwhelmed checking email from like 12 hours a day. And, and something I talked to them about is like, are, do you have to grade and provide feedback on everything or is part of that part of the learning process? So it's okay. And so really, really thinking through all of these pedagogical and instructional pieces, right, of how to provide this universal student-centered self-paced environment and these communication pieces from a classroom school perspective and district perspective, I think are really, really, really important. Yeah, I, I love the question uh, about the the idea of these evergreen opportunities. Um, you know, another one is I think from even just the basic standpoint of our, our students' welfare. You know, you tackled it from an academic standpoint, um, from the social emotional end. You know, when when kids haven't been coming to school, we tend to say, in general, well, when they get back to school, then we need to have a meeting and, and improve on their attendance and and figure out you know what's going on and try to get them support. And I think what we're finding out now is is you know, we're, we're using, you know, digital, you know, tools to be able to say, look, so-and-so hasn't checked in for three days or we haven't seen them post something and we're going to go ahead and, and I mean, it has gone from like, we're going to text them to, you know, Zoom and we're going to, now we're going to get mom and dad involved. And this reach out um, has been where we're, we're you know, our, our largest building of 1800 students at Thomas Worthington High School um, our principal said our staff has made a commitment. They're going to try to figure out within a week um, that they check in on every student. And they did. They found a way to 1,800 students. So when you when I, you hear that story, you kind of realize, look, there should be, you know, we wanted a student response. We want to make sure there was a contact. Um, so I think that, you know, come in the fall, we don't wait on those things. We don't say, well, gosh, when this, you know, the student's been gone for two weeks, when they come back, then we're going to all of a sudden do some triage work. Well, we why wait on that? We can do that now. Yes. Yes. Like, so why wait on that? I think is a great, great question. Cause it is so easy to go, well, we'll deal with that in the fall. Um, but it, I love the fact that your teachers committed uh, to, to that outreach and to that communication, to those human joyous connections. And they were able to absolutely do that. So that, that is absolutely fantastic. That's one of the things you know, during our admin mastermind, one of the things that uh, some of the administrators were saying were was that, like, they're only getting fifty percent um, participation. They're only getting you know sixty or seventy percent part participation or assignments turned in, um, and and they were really concerned about like this lower level of engagement and participation. And something we actually had to have a weird conversation about was, 
were those students engaged and participating when they were physically at school, right? Um, and so in terms of evergreen opportunities, I think that outreach and human connection, whether the school students physically there or not, are they engaged in school? Are they engaged in the learning? Are they engaged in the relationships they're building with, with the adults and the other kids in the building? And how can you how can you use that as an opportunity to go, hey, teachers who just did this and reached every single student in a week, why can't we do that throughout the school year, regardless of what it looks like? Because that's when you're going to get some of that SEL connection. You're going to get st- students to buy into the culture of the school, which by the way, Hans Apple just released um, award-winning culture on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I, I announced it last night, but if you haven't checked that out, you should go check it out right now because a lot of the things we're talking about, building those joyous connections, building character, community, and these joyous um, um, sort of experiences for students, which you've, you're full of award-winning culture, Neil. Um, um, so you, um, that's a great, great resource. It actually comes out this Friday. He's going to be live on the Teach Better team's um, all of our channels tonight at 6 p.m. Uh, oh. If you if you if you want to check that out, so um, sorry that was a you know random thought. Oh, that's great. Talking about this, but th- that's huge, right? Like that shouldn't go away. That need to connect to every single student shouldn't go away. That should absolutely be there. So, Neil, you know, I know you. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to to you know it's interesting that you know when you said like the 50 percent sort of thing. So I teach a class. Um, I teach a blended learning class. Um, it's taken me about 12 years in a district office to figure out how to do it. But uh, I found out that, uh, you know, I, I was having a 50% sort of issue of, of Zoom meetings. And, you know, when you talk about making the connections, you kind of keep thinking, well, gosh, I, I communicated effectively that we're going to have this meeting on Friday at 11 o'clock. I sent the link. How come they're not getting to it? Um, you know, I, I surveyed the students and, and some of them wanted it in an email format. Some of them wanted it in the GroupMe app. Some of them wanted it in Google Classroom. And I said, well, no, no, I, for the ease of it, I want one. And, and they said, no, no, I want it this way, this way, this way. So I had it to copy paste it three different ways. And you know what? I'll do that for them. Um, I also found out that sometimes, you know, students weren't responding because all I did was, was want something from them. I wanted their assignment. I wanted their, you know, school stuff from them. Um, I got some, some feedback actually from some, some Teach Better team members. And uh, they gave me feedback of, why don't you just ask some simple questions like what was a childhood memory of uh, uh, your favorite TV show growing up? You know, just ask some different things. What are you eating right now? And like, what's, what's, you know, um, what's making, what, what are you binge watching right now on Netflix? Sure. All of a sudden the, I got responses back and build relationship for those things so that when the time comes and it's not about manipulation, it's about making connections of where they are. That was really profound to me to help me realize how to make connections with them through, through social media instead of just the business. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. So maybe move away from academic to get that engagement so you can reintroduce the academic later. Connect about what they're eating. Because you also have to think that would have probably been a hallway conversation between you and that student that they no longer have, right? Um, you know, anyone get new shoes? Like, let's talk about show me a pair of your favorite kicks. Like, like, like chances are kids are going to want to share that with their classmates. Um, but if you can engage them in that, now you can talk about what you need from them. And honestly, from a business standpoint, like it, it's a lot like marketing. If I'm not getting value, I'm not going to give you value for, for nothing. The other thing is that I can engage in your content and not necessarily require a response. So if you make an announcement or you're giving your students information, 
just because I'm not responding to it doesn't mean that I'm not seeing it, experiencing it, or interacting with it. Um, I may just not feel like I need to respond, and I'm getting the same thing out of it by reading other students' responses. So I think being cognizant of the fact that different people um, access and experience content and media in different ways, I think that's, that's a really, really great, great, great point. So, Neil, I don't want to keep you all morning. I know you have a lot to do. Um, I know my family's banging down the door to get their breakfast and things like that. I don't know where <laughs> yours is a little older than mine. They're still so sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> but um, if you could give uh, maybe your top tip or just a parting message uh, before we get off today to, for everyone to kind of take with them, whether it's a review of something we've talked about or whether it's a, you know, just a new idea for people to take with them throughout the rest of their day. That'd be amazing. Yeah, just the, the top tip would be, um, you know, I, I would say try to create opportunities right now in, in your planning um, that create flexible systems. Um, and then as you're doing that, keep managing your own flexibility and adaptiveness, you know, kind of yeah. reflect on that kind of saying, am I, am I helping to foster it? Um, and, and, and trust me, I love having plans and it, and it, it internally makes me anxious about not knowing what's going to happen. Um, and it's okay, honor that, but also kind of feel like, you know, are you making um, some movements on your own to be more flexible and adaptable um, to those different changes, being open with ideas and just sometimes even letting people lead because you can't manage everything. Love it. Love it. Miss Graf's room says she loves this speaker. That's why we have you on the Teach Better Speakers Network, Neil. You can bring Neil either digitally or physically to your school or district if you'd like. He's a fantastic speaker. You can also catch him at all of our Teach Better conference, uh, both our digital and our, our live conference in October. He will be there in all of his glory, which is fantastic. We're excited about that. So um, you're going to see lots of Neil through the Teach Better network. So Neil, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. I, there was so much value uh, in this conversation. I truly appreciate your expertise and your insights. Um, have a fantastic day. And everyone, stay awesome and keep on uh, teaching better. Have an awesome day, guys. Mm -hmm.